Hello and good afternoon. I'm your host today, Abner Belsky, and we are back on an, with another episode on Abner Sports Throwdown. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Please welcome Mr. Luis Lopez, who is a former Major League ball player for the Montreal Expos and the Toronto Blue Jays. Thank you so much, Mr. Lopez, for joining me on my podcast today. So let's begin. So the first question is, uh, were you the, always the best uh, ball player on the field when you were my age? And what type of training progressed your career into the trajectory of the MLB? Okay. Um, as far as being the top players, yeah, I was always one of the top players. Um, at, at 14, uh, I was very young. You know, like I tell everyone, I played, um, I was able to play in the varsity as a freshman. I was a shortstop on the freshman team. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was one of the one of the top players. I was able to hit about 380-something my freshman year. And every single year after that, my sophomore, my junior and senior year, the numbers just kept going up at least by 100 points. Um, so I ended up becoming one of the top players in the city and stuff by the time I was a junior and senior. Um, as far as me, uh, the training, you know, back in when I was in high school and stuff, we really didn't have facilities like the way they do nowadays that they really concentrate a lot on strength and conditioning and stuff. Um, they always used to tell us, uh, you know, it was a myth. Uh, you lift weights, you're going to get tight. You ain't going to be able to play baseball, blah, blah. But um, come my senior year, you know, my dad did some research and uh, I had to end up deciding giving up basketball because I was also a basketball player in high school. I uh, gave up basketball my senior year to really focus on baseball because I was being recruited by all the big schools in baseball, but small, small schools in basketball. And that's when I really started just doing, you know, um, push-ups, dips, crunches, you know, uh, running outside, you know, no matter what the weather was, uh, getting my running in, um, sprints and long distance. Um, my dad even bought me a little uh, barbell that I was able to do, you know, some exercises and get my arms stronger. And I think that's what really helped me going from my junior year to my senior year, because my junior year only hit three home runs. My senior year I ended up hitting 12 just because of that strength and training. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. And uh, so uh, obviously, I mean, baseball is uh, a physically uh, demanding sport. But uh, when you started, when your dad started doing the research uh, that like, I guess, working out and stuff was, uh, uh, I guess, uh, enhancing like your performance and stuff uh, more, which part of uh, what part of your body you think is uh, the most important, like legs, core, arms, what do you think? I, I think it's for baseball wise. Um, I think it's a lot of core and legs, especially as you continue to get older. The first thing that goes on you are your legs. That's when I first started having problems, you know, with my hamstrings and stuff like that. So my last five years of professional baseball, I, I had to tell my my trainer, you know, well, let's really focus on the off season workouts, but let's let's hit our legs a lot so that I can continue to be able to bounce back so I can play every day. So as you get older, you know, that that's the first thing that goes. So I think, I, you know, you need to focus on that. Concentrate on your legs and your core and stretching. People don't understand how important stretching is, man. You got to stretch. No matter how old you are, you got to stretch that body out, man. I agree. Um. Well, thank you for that. Um. So the next question is, so we all know uh, – baseball is a sport you need a lot of physical strength for as I as we were talking about a little in the previous question but can you tell me what the mental side of playing in the MLB was like 
There you go. That's the biggest difference um, as you continue to move up the levels. And it also starts, if you can try and perfect that as a high school player, um, because everybody has the, the physical skills. Everybody knows how to catch a ball. We all know how to throw. We all know how to swing the bat. We all know how to run, you know, for the most part. And, you know, the physical stuff, you're just tweaking from high school all the way up. But the mental side, that's the main thing. Um, that's the biggest difference. Um, everybody talks about it's probably, you know, 90% mental, 10% physical once you get to the professional level, especially the big leagues. Personally, I think it might be even more. I still might, I think it might be even like 98%. Because usually after a long season, um, like my body was tired, but not as much as my mind. Like I was physically drained that once a season ended. I just wanted to relax my mind and not think about anything. Yeah, I uh, baseball has the longest season out of any uh, professional sport, to my knowledge. So, and it, it it's not like the playoffs come like quick. It's like a long, grueling, demanding season. So I definitely know what you mean by perfecting the uh, mental side of things, like really, really, really is important there. 100%. You know what I would recommend to do, and I should have done it more when I was playing, um, uh, reading. Reading books, even baseball books for the mental side and getting you um, just reading stuff that you like. And it really makes you focus more um, on the things you want to do. Um, and it also, instead of hearing it, a lot of the times if we read it by ourselves and you see it visually, us as males, we're uh, the 80% of the males we're, we're visual learners. So, you know, and I know I'm one of them. If you show me something visually, you know, I have a better understanding of it. And I'm, and I, my mind, I'm able to absorb it better. Yeah, that's the same with me. I, I, I'm a visual learner as well. So I definitely uh, know where you're coming from there. Um, so the next question is, when you played in the MLB, do you remember when you hit your very first home run? How did you feel? What were you thinking while you were rounding the bases? <laughs> um, I was excited. You know, I hit my first home run. Uh, my first home run was in Toronto against the Seattle Mariners uh, off of Jamie Moyer, left-handed pitcher. And uh, I was able to work the count three and two and uh, got a good pitch to hit. And uh, as soon as I hit it, I knew it was gone. And I was just excited, man. Um, you know, I uh, kind of jumped a little bit when I after I hit it. Uh, you know, everybody was messing with me as, oh, we're doing a Sammy Sosa jump, you know. And uh, I was just very excited. Um, I, was, I was hoping my, my family, everybody was watching the game. But if not, I was excited to call everybody uh, after the game just to tell them the great news. So, but uh, it was it was it was an unbelievable feeling just hearing the crowd, you know. Roar was a home game, and uh, it was like you know you're running the bases, and it just seemed like you know it was it was a dream dream come true. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's every kid's uh, that's every little kid's dream to play in the MLB, and on top of that, hit a home run. Uh, do you uh, do you have any other amazing moments that you remember from your career that you would like to share? Sure. Um, the best one was, I think, when I got called up. Um, my first game was against the Anaheim Angels, which is now the LA Angels. Um, we're playing against them, and 
you know, I'm good friends with the Molina family, the catchers. It was uh, and at the time it was Benji Molina catching, and uh, he's you know he's getting ready and he tells me, hey man, congratulations, getting called up and stuff. He goes, so as I'm getting ready, preparing to get taking my bat, and I'm like, thank you, Benji. I have my head down, and I he tells me, but relax, you ain't gonna hit today. He goes, and I go, what do you mean? And he goes, because uh, we're gonna put you on. So I got intentionally walked my first major league at bat. <laughs> and the first thing I could think about was I'm going to probably be a trivia question. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty cool, man. I, you know, I always had that memory uh, to live on, you know, first day be intentional walkers. I thought it was, you know, definitely uh, didn't happen much. I know the last guy to do it was uh, Hunter Renfro, which was like about, it ended up being about maybe like 16 years afterwards. And when he was with the Padres and uh, they put a stat line on the bottom on the on MLB network, last guy this happened to was in 2001, Louis Lopez. So pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so the next question is, um, and this is something um, that I personally am wondering as um, a young sports player. Can you walk me through what the college scouting process looked like for you and what the MLB scouting process looked like for you? Okay. So let's touch on the college stuff. Um, with college, it was a little different back when I was being recruited uh, compared to nowadays. Uh, let's touch up on when, it, when I was being recruited, um, a lot of it was just by word of mouth. Um, whoever had, uh, if your coach had contacts, you know, friends, whatever, um, and they would, get in contact with you first um or they would call up the school and tell them hey you got to come see this kid and they would come you know a couple times to see you play um it happened to me a couple times but unfortunately nothing had panned out until i didn't sign my letter of intent so after i graduated high school there were a lot of schools that were interested in me you know university of kentucky university of florida pitt Michigan, Iowa, Washington State. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then in New York, you had wow. New York Tech, you had Brooklyn College. Um, then you had some small schools, uh, D2 schools that were powerhouses too, University of New, New Haven, uh, University of Tampa. And, uh, you know, there were some junior colleges thrown in. So it's a hard decision. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's very hard because you don't know who's telling the truth. You don't know who's, you know, pulling, you, pulling your leg or what, um, it's very hard, you know, and all I can do, all I can recommend is, and I tell my players nowadays, um, the first thing you gotta do is, you have to like the coaches, every single one of them. You gotta like them. You gotta like the way the way their philosophy is, all that type of stuff. Like the program, the actual, you know, the actual school, do you like it? Um, secondly, are you gonna get an opportunity to be able to play? right away. You don't want to go to a college that you're going to sit for two or three years and then you're going to play. You know, you want to use, all you want is that opportunity to be able to compete as a freshman if they're going to give you that chance. Um, three, you know, you, you got to be able to love the campus. So what my advice is make sure you go visit the school. Don't just go by pictures and videos. And I know we're in a tough era right now with COVID and everything. But we got to try and make it the best we can. Hopefully everything starts opening up now that, you know, you kids will be able to go out there and visit campuses. 
because you have to visit campus. Like once I stepped foot on coastal Carolina, and that's where I graduated from, and I'm in the school's Hall of Fame and in the conference Hall of Fame. To this day, I step foot on that campus and I still get butterflies. I still get those good feelings inside, like this was the right choice I made. So that that would be my advice to you guys. And don't always just think about, you know, the athletic money, the scholarship money, because there's not much, especially at the D1 level. There's only 11.7 scholarships to, to break up into 35 guys. So there's not much money. But what I always tell them, focus on your grades and get the academic money. So you can get about $25,000 or more academically. And you get that every year, no matter what, as long as you keep your GPA up over that 3.0. So you really concentrate on your grades for that stuff. And that's, that's what I can say about the college side. As far as the pro side, go about your business and playing high school and college ball. You can't control pro ball. Pro Bowl is almost like the lottery. Like if we go and play Mega Millions and we're going to say we're going to win it, that's exactly what a pro contract is. You just go about your business and you can handle and control. They call the controllables. And what is that? I can keep my grades up, one, so that I can keep playing on the field and playing and practicing and stuff, doing my strength and conditioning, making sure I'm doing that. Those are the three things that you need to worry about. If you do all those things and you put up good numbers, the pro scouts will find you and you'll get signed. I like that. And I think that's really true. And um, going back to uh, your college career, uh, what was the, what was the uh, hard, what was the most competitive team you played up against? Oof. We played against a lot of good ones, man. We, I mean, we played against Florida State. We played Miami, we played University of Florida. University of North Carolina, uh, Clemson. At the time, I was talking with somebody about this, a friend of mine, and uh, I told him the, the pitching staff at Clemson, I had to face. So we played a three-game series. And funny thing is, one of them was one of the guys I'd faced in the big leagues. He was the one that intentionally walked me, <laughs> uh, which was Mike Holtz, the lefty. So I had faced him at Clemson. So he was their number three starter. Their number one starter, they had Chris Benson, he was, an, he was a first-rounder. And then the, the number two starter he pitched the next day was Billy Koch. That ended up being my teammate. <laughs> so uh, he was another first-rounder. So those were the three guys we had to face. Man, they were stacked. What that a small another, world, though. Yeah, it was, it was, it's very small. And, you know, when you're in college, and that's what I tell our boys in high school, um, I tell them, you know, you're going to run into a lot of guys that you've played against in tournaments and stuff like that. You're going to see each other in college. Then after college, you're going to see them. If you get a chance to go to pro ball, you'll see them through the minor leagues. And then you'll see them again in the big leagues. It's just one, one little world. They talk, they talk about the world being small and it's true. The baseball world is very small. Yeah, that's true. And it sounded like you played in a, in one of the top uh, conferences uh, in college baseball so. well our conference was called the big south conference it was okay it was decent good baseball we were always one of the top ones there uh but our non-conference schedule those were all the other teams that we played all the big school like because everybody wanted to come down south and especially the cold weather schools you know they wanted to come and play us down south because they want to get out the cold but uh you know we, it was awesome 
unbelievable schedules every single year, man. You know, that's one thing I, I, I can say that college baseball definitely prepared me to get to the next level for, for pro ball. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, with all with all the I feel like college baseball really gets you uh, prepared with uh, having you having you do all these uh, practices all, and getting to play up against like the best schools uh, at the collegiate level. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So the next question is, um, is how big of a jump is it from the from the high school level to college to the minors to the big leagues? Like, how big is the jump from each level? Okay. So now at the high school level, you know, like I said, right now I'm coaching at the high school level. I coach at a private prep school here in New York called the Harvey School. And then I also have an academy with my partner, which we call it the New York Nighthawks. And, uh, you know, it's a nonprofit organization, and we're trying to put kids, place kids into college. And thank God with everything being so expensive right now with travel baseball, with our kids that play for the Nighthawks, they don't have to pay to play. So, you know, we get them and we talk about, you know, you have to train more and play less because everybody thinks you have to play a thousand baseball games. And that's how you're going to get better. That's not necessarily true, especially when you're young. You just, you know, yeah, you want to play games, but there's a certain amount that I think you should be playing because you need to practice. That's the only way you're going to learn. Um, from high school, I say, you know, you start seeing guys every year from 14 all the way up. You start seeing guys getting bigger and stronger. They start throwing harder. They hit their location better, you know. So, you know, you start seeing that, but they do make mistakes. You can't hit, miss the mistake as a hitter. And then our pitchers, I just tell them to be effective. You got to use both sides of the plate. You got to pitch in. Um, once you go from high school to college, the only difference that it is, the only difference from high school to college is the velocity gets harder. You, you start facing guys throwing hard all the time. So all you got to do is just work on your time and get ready earlier. And as well as we talk about the mindset, you start thinking a little bit more. You have to be mentally prepared compared to with high school. In high school, you can get away with stuff because the pitchers and the players are making so many mistakes still. As you keep going up, the guys make less and less mistakes, pitchers and players included. Um, then we go on to the minor leagues. Basically, and like I said, the level that I played at, I was blessed to play D1, but the guys that you face in college, you end up playing them again in pro ball in the minor leagues. So it's just like a continuation. Only thing, we're, we're all a little bit older. We're all a little bit stronger. So and, and everybody's mindset is a little bit better. Then this is the big difference. From minor leagues to the big leagues, it's all mindset. That's the only difference. Because I've seen plenty of good ball players. I've seen plenty of good ball players in the minor leagues that never get a chance to go to the big leagues. Just because they have no, their mindset isn't there. They're not thinking of what they want to do before it happens. They don't want, they're not thinking of, um, you know, the pitch before they throw it. Or what did they throw me the last at bat as a hitter? So that will be the biggest thing for me. Um, that jump to the big leagues, it's all mindset because the skill is there. Everybody has the skill. Yeah. From minors to the big leagues. 
Yeah, it's really going back to one of our, our earlier questions. I, I, what it sounds like, it comes down to the you, you, you have to be a good ball player. But to make it to the minors, everyone in the minors is at least it, they deserve to be there. But what what comes between the minors, and the big leagues, is the mindset. So mindset, and then they, the other thing is too, you know, in college, once you get to college. You're playing in these guys from all over the country. So they, everybody was an all-star wherever they were from. And they're all placed on that one college team. So when you go to the minor leagues, it's the same thing. Everybody was breaking records and stuff like that. They were all all-stars, um, you know, all-Americans, whatever. And they're all placed in the minor leagues playing against each other. So everybody's good, like you said. It's just the mindset. That's the difference. So you're basically playing with everyone for like a like you you basically ever it's for, it's a neighborhood basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, yeah. So this next question is kind of a fun one. So how different is a curveball in the minors from a curveball in a in the majors? No difference. No difference. Really? The only the only man yeah, the only difference is you know your elite pitchers in the big leagues. The elite pitchers in the big leagues aren't afraid to pitch inside. So if you want to be an effective pitcher, you have to throw in to keep us honest as hitters on the plate. Because if I know a guy is just throwing middle away, that guy's mine. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get him every time because I don't even have to worry about looking inside. Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely see that because it's just you're you're one call away, so. Yeah, that's all it is, man. Like I told you, you know, there's there were guys that I thought that were better in the minors, pitchers that I faced, and you get to the big leagues and I'm facing some guys, I was like, man, this seems a little bit easier. And then even the strike zone is a little bit different in the big leagues. Now, that's what we can talk about. The strike zone in the big leagues compared to the minors was a lot smaller. Oh, like really? They need, they need to throw that ball in that box. That, that, that strike zone box that they show on TV, they got to make sure they throw it through there. In the minor leagues, they'll give you pitches, you know, a little bit off the plate that, you know, that are, that are iffy as a hitter. But as a pitcher, you want it, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the big difference, the minor leagues and the, and the majors. I would say the strike zone. That's interesting. Um. Okay, so I'm sad to say, but this is our last question um, of the interview. Um, so I like ending my interviews off like this. So if you had to give one piece of advice to my audience, what would that be? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now, um, the main thing is, like we talked about earlier, I want you guys to, I want you to concentrate on what you can control. Control the controllables. So... What am I talking about? Making sure I keep my grades up. Making sure I'm practicing. Making sure I'm doing my speed and agility stuff and my strength and conditioning. So if I take care of those things, everything else is going to fall into place. Because the very first thing they ask you, me as a coach, uh, for every single one of my players, how are his grades? That's the first thing they ask. He could be a stud. He could be the next, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, whatever, Derek Jeter, you know. But the first thing they're going to ask is his grades. 
So if he has those good grades, then that's when they go to the next question. Okay, you know, who does he hang out with? How's his character? It's, you know, is he a good teammate? You know, you want to be a good teammate. You want to be remembered as a good teammate, as a good person first, instead of as a good ball player. You want that to be last. Those, those are, that, that's my advice that I would give to you guys. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure my listeners will appreciate that very much. Thank you so much, Mr. Lopez, for joining me on my podcast today. It was truly an honor and a pleasure getting to learn about your journey to the MLB. That was me, Abner Belsky, interviewing Luis Lopez, who is a former MLB player.